Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and listeners around the world. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Atomic Moms. I'm so excited. December, we are, we've got a lot of new content coming your way. We started this podcast in 2014. We are celebrating our fifth year. And for new listeners, I wanted to share a little bit about the podcast. So in it, I share the sweet and messy journey of my growing family, and I welcome complex discussions on topics ranging from postpartum anxiety and marriage after kids to how to build your village of mom friends and all the messiness in between. You know, with guests like the number one most watched TED Talk speaker of all time, Sir Ken Robinson, to the happiest baby on the block pediatrician, Dr. Harvey Karp, We offer high-spirited and dynamic conversations with the leading experts in the parenting, wellness, and early childhood education fields. We also recognize that mothers wish to connect with what makes them special outside their role as mom. So we seek encouragement and inspiration from award-winning performers on Broadway and female founders, as well as other mothers around the world. We talk about the struggle, the hustle, the big wins, the growing pains, and learn how to make the most of the time we have with our children, while also nurturing our ambitions. You can find us at AtomicMoms.com and on Instagram at AtomicMoms. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Our guest today is Patrice Karst. Her children's book, The Invisible String, has sold over a half a million copies around the world. This week, Little Brown Books for Young Readers is proud to share an updated edition for a new generation of readers, as well as its official companion, The Invisible String Workbook, co-written with art therapist Dana Weiss, who has a PhD, and The Invisible Leash, a tender story about coping with grief when a pet dies. We at our house have a well-worn copy of the original edition of The Invisible String. It's on my daughter Eliza's bookshelves handed down from Sabrina, and I leapt at the opportunity to speak to the woman behind this magic. Patrice, thank you so much for coming on Atomic Moms. And for those of you who haven't been introduced to the magic of this book yet, what is The Invisible String? Uh, Well, first of all, Ellie, it's great to be here, and thank you so much for inviting me. Um, so the invisible string is, is, is everything. It's what connects us all. It's the invisible string that's made out of love that connects us to everyone that we love, our animals, our neighbors, our friends, our relatives, and really it's what connects everybody in the world, invisible strings. I like to say that it's, um, my version of string theory, but it's, it's, it's the real string theory. It's, it's, it's love. It's it's basically love, and that's what love is, is um, invisible strings that connect us all. Well, I was introduced to this book when my daughter, Sabrina, who's now six, was going to preschool for the first time. It was recommended by many experts, and we've mentioned it on the podcast many times, so it feels extra special to get the chance to talk to you today. Mm-hmm. Um, but we read it to Sabrina before she started preschool for separation anxiety, and I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners the origin story of this whole idea. Absolutely. And um, it's interesting you talk about Sabrina going to preschool because that's exactly 
how the invisible string was born. Um, when my son, who's now 28, was in preschool, um, I was a single working mom. And when I would take him to school in the morning, he would cry. I mean, it was awful. His separation, his separation anxiety was brutal. And then I would cry and it just, we both had miserable days. Um, and one day, um, as I was dropping him off, I don't even know how it came into my head, but I just said, you know, Eli, we're going to be connected all day long by an invisible string. So when you miss me, just pull on the string and I'll feel it. And when I miss you, I'll pull back and you'll feel it in your heart. And we're together all day long, no matter what, even if you can't see me, we have a string connecting us, but it's invisible. And I can't even tell you, his eyes lit up, his tears stopped. It was like one of those voila moments. And he said, we have an invisible string and I said, yes, we've always had an invisible string. And he said, and you'll feel it all day long, and all, I will feel you all day long. Yes, Eli. And that was the end, literally, of his separation anxiety. The next morning, it was, I'll pull on the string, Mama. And I said, I'll pull back, Eli. And then um, all of his little friends wanted to hear about the invisible string. So I started, you know, gathering them around and telling them about it. And they were so excited and said, I have a string to my grandma. I have a string to my doggy. I have a string to my aunt. I have a string to, you have strings to everyone you love. And I knew I had something, you know, I knew that, wow, this is, this is um, a tangible explanation of an abstract concept. Love is an abstract concept. You know, it's how do you explain love. I mean, we feel it, but how can you explain what it is? And I just knew that, that I really had something. And so I thought I should write this as a children's story and try to get it published. And that's what I did. I, um, I wrote it, I wrote the story and then I approached, um, a, a very small publisher that I happened to know who had never done children's books before. He was a metaphysical, new age, spiritual publisher, tiny, no distribution. So the book originally was never for years, for probably the first 14 years was, or 15 years was never in the Barnes and Nobles or the borders of the world. It was really just um, a tiny publisher, but he took the chance and he published it. From the time that it, that it got published, I started to get you know, some beautiful letters from parents and teachers and caregivers saying, you know, lovely things about how the book could help the children that they care for, you know, but it, you know, I was doing other things. I was still a working single mom and I had other projects and things I was doing. And, you know, I didn't put really all that much energy into the book. I was just glad it was out there for people to, to have and to know about. And then what happened was right around the time of I, it's just weird that I remember this, but it seems like around the time of the Sandy Hook tragedy, mm -hmm. the massacre at Sandy mm -hmm. Hook, um, I, it's just it, it, it's very clear in my mind because I got a letter from a Sandy Hook parent, not a parent of one of the children who had passed away, but a survivor who had been traumatized by all of her, you know, all these classmates, um, schoolmates being killed. And he wrote me a letter. He was dad, Sandy Hook dad. And he just said that the book had, had comforted his little girl and he wanted to thank me for it. 
And the reason why that just stands out is it seems like right around that time is when the book, I don't know what happened. It's like one of those sort of miraculous publishing stories because I know so many authors who spend so much money um, on publicity and promo and ads. And this was strictly word of mouth. We never, I don't think we bought one ad ever, (laughs) you know, the whole time the book was out. Um, But suddenly I started seeing, because I had uh, Google alerts, you know, that lets you know when anyone says Mm -hmm. anything online about your book or about you. And all of a sudden my Google alert was ping, 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 ping. It was the book started being used by the military for deployed families and the prison system for incarcerated parents and divorce attorneys and psychologists and hospices and hospitals. And it just, it took off. It was like the most unbelievable experience. Suddenly the book was everywhere. (sighs) So that's, that's, that's what happened. And here I am 20 years, almost 20 years after uh, the book was first published, and now it's become, you know, this sort of major, major book in the world. And I, I just, I'm still, I pinch myself. I'm like, how did this even happen? But I think the power of love, um, one person at a time, one heart at a time, just spread this message, um, and it just took off, soared. So I'm very happy. <laughs> Well, I'm so happy, too, because it landed in on my children's bookshelves, and it's helped us personally. I'd like to speak to you a, a little bit about your the craft of writing this book. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are so many books that my kids know not to ask me to read, <laughs> like especially certain times of the month. Like, do not bring over the giving tree. Uh, my two-year-old Eliza <laughs> loves to tell people, she'll like pull the book out of the shelf and she'll go, mama cries. <laughs> so <laughs> she knows. <laughs> and, yeah. and I have to say that with your book, thank God, it, like, it fills me up with this warm, fuzzy feeling of connection. And there is one line in the book in the invisible string. And I'll read it now though. And it's, you turn the page and then it's, then Jeremy quietly asked, can my string reach all the way to uncle Brian in heaven? And the mother says, she says, yes, even there. And here's the genius part for me. The next page You turn the page, and then all of a sudden you're back into the beautiful and chaotic scene of kids painting all over the bedroom. And then the next line is, does the string go away when you're mad at us? Never, said mom. Love is stronger than anger. And as long as love is in your heart, the string will always be there. And so it goes from this quiet moment of can my string reach all the way to Uncle Brian in heaven, which like gets me every time. And then you turn the page and you get to go back into the colorful magic chaos of right. life. And I think it so right. lightly and profoundly touches on the concept of death. When you were writing it, how did you feel out the rhythms, the, the emotional musicality in writing this? I, that's a, it's, a, it's a great question, um, and I don't know the answer mm. to it because it just kind of flowed out. I wrote it in one sitting. Um, and if my memory serves me, I'm pretty sure it was at Starbucks, um, <laughs> you know, on a, on a, with a spiral notebook. Um, so I, it wasn't planned 
in that way, um, although it probably was because I knew that that was a heavy moment. Interestingly, that one word, heaven, has been, you know, a little bit controversial. Um, originally, the publisher was a little concerned to call to use the word heaven um, and to even touch on death, uh, but I thought it was one of the most important components of the book is that I wanted to explain that love transcends space and time, um, that, that, that the invisible string can go anywhere in the universe, um, can go to our ancestors, it can go, you know, to any of our loved ones uh, that have gone into the beyond. And so I fought to have that included. And ironically, that one word and that one page you know, even though the the book is not about death, I mean, that's just one of the places that the invisible string can go. But because of that one word on that one page, the book is the number one book for children for death and dying that are dealing with grief. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the book, it's the line that I think really propelled the book forward that, that everyone started to hear about it. Also, interestingly, that one word, heaven, has been, uh, you know, I've had atheists be upset at the book, you know, because they say it's religious. I've had letters from atheists saying, you know, we would have loved this book, but you made it all religious by using the word heaven. And my sort of counter to that is, what would you prefer me to call it? The dark abyss of nothingness, you know? Um, It's like, um, you know, children are going to face death, whether it's a yeah. hamster or an animal that dies or grandma or seeing a dead bird. I remember walking with my son. This is sort of a, a an aside, but I'll never forget because it was actually hilarious in, in a kind of a morbid way. But I was taking a hike with my son and we came upon um, a dead bird. And, uh, you know, we were on a hike in Temescal Canyon and Pacific Palisades. And this dead bird was covered with ants. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to explain death because my son's staring at this dead bird and, and here we go, you know? (laughs) And he, he said, he said, look, mama. And I said, yes, I know, honey. I said, you know, the bird is, is, isn't dead now. It's not here anymore, but the bird is with God now. And he goes, no, actually, mom, the bird is with the ants. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um, it was it was really really kind of hilarious because you know kids are very um, uh, they're so the word literal they're uh, so literal very very thank you thank you I'm obviously not literal because I couldn't speak the word <laughs> even though I'm a writer um, but yeah very literal but yeah I, I I it's been a challenge because I've tried to you know even on Amazon you know some of the some of the very few. Um, one star reviews have been from from. Oh, that is such madness! It just makes me mad. It makes me mad that there would ever be a one star review. Yeah, but it I makes guess me really sad. And 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 I've gotten into conversations with people like you know, it's not religious. My readers come from every faith and every walk of life: atheists, agnostics, you know, Buddhists, Christians, Hindus, you know, you name it. It's it's. It's absolutely, there was no religious intention when I used that word, but it's a soft word that explains the physical departure, permanent physical departure of um, a person or an animal. So 
you know, that's just, but, but yeah. So for any of your listeners, please, it is not a religious book at all, but yes, I do use the one word on one page, heaven, because it's comforting. It's comforting for children. Yes. And I will also say, Patrice, that it's comforting for me to hear that there is the occasional one-star review for a book as important and special as this, because I know for myself and a lot of our listeners, when we are working on something and we have the fear of, you know, the unknown and the the critics out there, to know that even when you can create something that is so meaningful and has profoundly changed the lives of so many, that even that'll get a one-star review. It really helps me personally, Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, you put, oh, yeah, put no, things in I, perspective. I, you know, I, I have to, you know, I face my one-star reviews, you know, <laughs> bravely and courageously. <laughs> Does it feel like a punch in the gut sometimes? Of course, but yeah. you know what? It is what it is, but it makes me sad because I, I guess I, I, I get a little bit, I don't know. I don't know what, if the word is resentful or, or it just, it perturbs me that, the parents are so busy worrying about whatever. They're the ones that are making it a big religious thing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's not religious at all. But, you know, and I just wish that they thought more about the children that, you know, um, let's not have death be a be a scary, dark thing for kids. Mm-hmm. So um, but you know what? I can't I can't change everyone. But that's why in the new version of the book, in the paperback version, I even addressed it in my letter to the readers. I say, you know, um, in fact, I'll pull it right now and I'll, I'll read to you exactly what I say because I think it's important. Um, I wanted to address it. You know, let's talk about the elephant in the middle of the living room, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, uh, while there is only a single word on one page in the book that alludes to separation by death, it has been astonishing to witness how it has opened up the possibilities for the story to be used for coping with grief. That word, heaven is not meant to impart any particular religious affiliation in mind, heart, or meaning. For my readers come from all faiths, spiritual paths, and walks of life. It is a word that for so many readers open-endedly suggests the other side or the great beyond or the indefinable mystery of permanent physical departure. For those that feel uncomfortable with that word, it is easily amended with whatever phrase feels more comfortable for each family and can be used as a springboard for further discussion. And remember that there is nothing more healing than conversation with a child if questions arise. We cannot shy away from talking to our children about death because death is an inevitability of life, and they will be hearing about deaths, whether it's on the news or in their own personal lives. So I think it's very important to start the conversation about death early. Um, and not have it be this sort of taboo subject. Mm. And I also love that you say that you can get a pen and mark it out, but it can be a a jumping off point for discussion. And I think that's something, you know, in 2019 that we all need to remember, that we might not all agree about that one word, but it can be a a discussion. It doesn't have to be banned from the house, (laughs) no matter what it is. I mean, I'm taking this to a much bigger concept, I guess. Obviously, no one's banning the invisible string from their house. But with other things that can come, you know, I guess I'm touching on the whole idea of like cancel culture and the idea of just wiping something Mm -hmm. out completely if you don't agree with it. Um, Because you also have this follow-up book, The Invisible Web, a story celebrating love and universal connection. And 
Sabrina, who I mentioned earlier, is now six and she's in kindergarten. I could just so see this book on their shelves because it's so joy-filled and vibrant uh, in a similar way to The Invisible String. You know, how I mentioned earlier about you have the one moment of death and then you go back into the the fun life stuff. Um, There are some heavy moments you know, you minch, you touch on war. Mm-hmm. There's one line that jumps out at me, mostly because the first part is in bold. So it's not just my, <laughs> it's not just me looking for trouble, but I'm wondering how politicized it could get. The web has, <laughs> the web has no borders and wraps every continent. Mm-hmm. Within it lives butterflies and flowers, starfish and seahorses, lions and ants, rivers and snowstorms, and all human beings. The web has no borders. That's right. Can you tell me a little bit about that line and the importance of of sharing oh, this yeah. message today? Oh yeah, I think it's I think it's the ultimate important message because um I mean look at what's happening on our planet. You know, borders were man made, created, you know, God never created borders. Um, you know, the the universe, the you know, the uh, the great intelligence that that creates rivers and and snowstorms and mountains and valleys um, didn't <laughs> make lines around countries and say this you know that's something we did um, and we are one big human family uh, you know the air that I breathe in and then breathe out that breath of air that I breathe out could go all the way to Africa it doesn't stop at a border and go to you know mm, <laughs> yeah. check its passport it, it's <laughs> We all share, you know, that if I, if I throw something in an ocean, if I throw a, you know, a message in a bottle in an ocean, uh, it can travel, mm-hmm. you know, to the other side of the planet. Um, so, yeah, the message of the invisible web, which I like to call the real world wide web, um, mm-hmm. is exactly that, 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 that we, and in fact, in my letter to the, to the reader, I think it's in the dedication of the invisible web, I say, you know, I hope that world leaders will read this book and um, act accordingly, because this is it. We're gonna we're gonna destroy the whole planet. We're gonna destroy ourselves if we keep up what we're doing. So, you know, for this next generation, the children that are reading the book now, they're the ones you know that could save the world. And you know, they understand it. They don't have any. You know, that's the most obvious thing in the world to them that that we are all connected and that there are no borders. Um, it's just us silly adults that that have created these things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, the invisible web is a very important um, message for me personally, and I think it's an important worldwide message. You know, I find that children's book illustrators are sort of the unsung heroes of children's books. I mean, they're they're Mm. It's hard for me to remember the names of many of them, even though the illustrations are so important for the emotional impact. And so I'm wondering, can can we gush a little bit about the artwork? And Mm. can you tell us about your illustrator and how you all collaborated? Yeah. So, you know, there's two versions of the invisible string. There's the hardback original version. And then there's the paperback version that came out last October with Little Brown for Young Readers. So um, all, you know, on the hardback version, I never had any say in the illustrations. And, you know, I liked them. I thought they were really cute, but I never loved, loved them. You know, Um, when 
I got the deal with Little Brown for Young Readers to do the paperback version. Um, they could not have been more collaborative with me. They sent me samples of many, many, many different artists' work um, and said, you know, you pick the three artists that you love the most and we'll go to their agents and see if we can strike a deal. Mm-hmm. And um, I fell in love with Joanne Lou Vertoff's work. She lives in Amsterdam and she's illustrated many, many, many children's books. I had no idea, uh, you know, how many she had illustrated, but I just saw her art and said, that's the one, you know, I love her art. And thankfully her agent and Little Brown struck a deal. And I, it was like a night and day experience between the two different publishing companies because with Little Brown, they literally sent me every single piece of art, uh, every single page of art and said, what do you think? Any changes you want to make? And so I had so much say in in literally every single page. Like, can we make this more like that? Or can we do this? Or can we do that? But Joanne is unbelievable. And she fell in love with the message of the book. She she believes in, in the power of the string and it, how it works in her life and the authenticity of her connection to this message and mission really came through in the pictures. She has such a sense of um, colorful, expansive, imaginative, and playfulness in her work. And it just adds a whole layer of pure joy to the experience of the book. Um, so yeah, we, she and I did not so much talk between ourselves about the art, but I would talk to my editor and say, gosh, this page, I just, this art isn't, isn't exactly expressing what I want it to express. And then she would go to the artist and, and explain that. And so we'd go back and forth and back and forth. And ultimately it just turned into uh, such a magnificent, I mean, when I look through it now, I mean, I'm so thrilled with the art and it's just, it's really great when the text and pictures can come together to create something even more real and vibrant um, that reaches out to the reader and wraps them in, you know, in this case, in this worldwide web of love. And I think that's what's been happening since the book is selling better than ever. Um, The paperback has just taken off, um, just taken off. And I think it's very much in part due to the art. I think people just love the art. It's just... Mm -hmm. So it's been it's been true synergy um, between this artist and myself, and she has gone on to illustrate all the other books in the Invisible String series that are coming out. So you know we we are we are connected by a very very strong Invisible String from California to Amsterdam. That's for sure. Well, we're we're pre-recording this, and you're going to cause a fight over Thanksgiving because I'm bringing the Invisible String workbook, which has creative activities to comfort, calm, and connect for my girls, and they're going to have to share a little bit. <laughs> I know that's going to cause uh, strife. They'll have fun. They'll, they'll, they'll be able to use it. They'll, they'll, they, they may have a little, a little, you know, oh, I want to do this one. I right. want to do this one, but they'll be okay. It's it, And so when I was flipping through it, you know, there's coloring and there's these great activities. And the really cool thing, again, is that you collaborated with an art therapist for it, and you talk about mending a string. And how sometimes we may have to mend our strings. So I'll read this. It says, for example, when Liza and Jeremy make a mess with paints, their mom says the string will always be there, but they may still need to apologize. 
Draw, collage, or write words that represent the tools you need, the actions you may choose, and the words you may say. And that really got me. Even just sharing with children, I mean, we tell them to apologize, you know, depending on what type of parenting method you use, but we don't really sit down and think about mending that connection, mending the string, or I I haven't thought about that for I think about that for myself because I go to therapy, but I don't think about it for mm-hmm. my two-year-old and six-year-old. And this was such a beautiful way of introducing that for them. And the other really cool thing I want listeners to know with the Invisible String Workbook is that you share goals at the bottom. So it's not just mindless activity. You really bring it back for the parent as to how this, you, the importance of it. So it, for example, with that page of mending a string, The goal is to explore how to make a repair to a connection when we have made mistakes or had a disagreement. Think about what these repairs mean to the relationship. It was just so cool. Was it so much fun writing that? Like to get to just create this whole other space to explore the themes of your work? Yeah, yes. Um, And I have to give most of the credit to doctor now. She's got a PhD in art therapy now, Dr. Dana Weiss. Um, and that's a great, a great story because how we even connected was, um, oh, I don't know, maybe seven, seven or eight years ago. Um, I got an email from Dana. Um, I didn't know her, um, but she wrote me a you know, fan letter and just said how, you know, she was an art therapist and she had been using the invisible string with unwed mothers that were you know, drug addicts and and hadn't bonded with their children, you know, hadn't been able to, they were young, a lot of them were teenage mothers or very young mothers and, and came from their own broken homes. Um, and a lot of them had been through a lot of domestic abuse and childhood abuse. And, you know, so they, she had been using her and different therapists had been using the invisible string in, in all sorts of um, ways with all sorts of different groups of, of, of women who were having a hard time being moms. And so she, you know, and she said she knew many, many, many therapists in all different, um, modality, you know, modalities and, and different types of therapists that were using the invisible string. And it was just a really beautiful email. And she said she had something that one of the, one of the teenage moms had created for me. Um, and she wanted to know if she should mail it to me. And I said, well, why don't we have lunch? You know, you're local, I'm local. And it was during that lunch when Dana told me how she had created all sorts of wonderful activities to take the message of the book even further. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head and bells were ringing. And I said, Dana, we should create a workbook, you know, using the activities that you've um, that you've created and create a lot more activities and, and, and do a whole workbook so that parents and caregivers, you know, teachers and therapists can take the message of the string uh, for the kids, have them, you know, take the message even further. So she loved the idea. And so we literally that day took a napkin in the restaurant and <laughs> signed a deal on a napkin. You know, wow. we signed a deal that we were going to do a workbook and we would split it 50-50 all the way through. And she went off to work. Um, I have to give her most of the credit for the activities. I kind of mentored and oversaw the whole process and added my feedback here and there, but she was the one that really came up with the majority of the activities. And, you know, because this is her world, this is not, you know, I'm not. 
he and I, so, so it was created, it was finished. And then it took years, you know, to get a deal. Uh, you know, we kept, you know, I kept with different publishers sending it out, but you know, if they, if a publisher didn't have the invisible string on, Mm -hmm. you know, as their book, they really didn't want the invisible string workbook. Mm -hmm. And it was when I got the deal with little Brown for the paperback version of the invisible string. And that's when they saw that I had also written the invisible leash, which we haven't talked about yet, Mm -hmm. the invisible leash and the invisible string workbook and the invisible web. And they just bought all four of them. They just, you know, it's like a dream come true. You hear about, you know, authors getting a four book deal. And that's exactly what happened. I got a four book deal. They said, well, we'll just take them all. And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) You know, like, oh my God, you know, to go from, all these rejection letters for years to, um, you know, a huge New York publishing house saying, uh, hey, uh, we love the whole deal. So we're going to just take the invisible string and run with it, if that's okay with you. And it was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's very okay with me. So, yeah, it was a thrill. And, and during the course of those years, Dana became a Ph.D., so we got to put that on the cover of the book, which, of course, helps sales. I'm sure the book doesn't come out till December 3rd, but I'm sure seeing that, you know, it's Dana Weiss, Ph.D. Mm-hmm. on the cover is going to help a lot. And I'm thrilled with it. There's so many activities. And it, I mean, from journaling to coloring to games and puzzles and 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 art things. I mean, it's just it's so full. It's just such a, you know, I mean, it's a very substantial book. And I think that everyone that loves the invisible string should have the invisible string workbook for their kids. It's just a given, you know, like here we've touched on all these concepts. Now let's take it even further. Now, now, now where do we go with it all? Um, And Dana's done already a few workshops using the activities from the invisible string with other therapists and she can't, I mean, they're all pre-ordering the book. So I think it's going to be a huge, a huge selling book. I agree. And it's such a beautiful match for our listeners. You know, so recently we had a podcast celebrating and empowering solo mothers. And we had that podcast with the founder of the online platform, Esme.com, Dr. Marika Lindholm, as well as actress Malin Ackerman. They both shared their stories as single mothers. And you mentioned that you were a single mother. And I know that you you became a single mother when your son was three months old. Yep. <laughs> what would you say to the single mother listener out there? What What would you want to share with them? Any words oh, of wisdom? Oh, that's, a very, that's easy. That's easy mm-hmm. because I even wrote a book. It's out of print now, sadly, but I wrote a book which is still available on Amazon with like third-party sellers, but I wrote a book called The Single Mother's Survival Guide because I was the quintessential single mom, you know, not some people call themselves single moms, but you know, they have a nanny and dad's down the street and they have their parents and grandparents and all kinds of people supporting them. And I, I was the real, I had no help, no support, no family, no, you know, I, there, it was me. This was before the internet even, or the internet was just beginning to, there were no Facebook groups. There were no support groups. It was me with a baby, you know, and a toddler night in and night out alone. And the number one message that I would say to single moms is don't believe the bunk, uh, you know, that um, children from single parent households are going to be diminished in some way or going to have psychological problems or become criminals or, you know, the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters for children besides obvious, you know, 
food and, and shelter and, and warmth, and, you know, all the education and all that. But the number one thing is love. And love, if you give your children love, I don't care whether you have the perfect intact nuclear family or whether you're a single mom, if you give your child an abundance of love, they will grow up just fine. So I would say to single moms, you're heroes, you are warriors, keep loving yourself, keep loving your children, and everything will be okay, and reach out for help. Nowadays, there's so much support for single moms. There's, you know, so many different support groups online and, you know, in in person. I remember uh, as a single mom, and it was so frustrating. I remember I found an, uh, um, not online, but a, a support group for single moms, the temple, um, but, ch- you know, no child care. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, like, you know, that's the whole point is I don't have the money for child care. I don't have child care. You know, like a single mom group where, you, where there's no child care. It's just, it seemed <laughs> ironic to me. But yeah, love, love is the only thing that matters. And if your kids get, you know, some TV dinners, you know, or frozen food a couple times a week or what, they'll still be okay. Don't, don't, don't try to be perfectionist and don't think that just because, you know, you have friends and, or, you know, your children have classmates that have a mom and a dad in the house, it does not necessarily mean that they have a happier household. And, you know, so just love your kids. That's it. Mm-hmm. Just love, 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 love. Well, thank you for that. I also think it's interesting that, you just shared that the early days of mothering for you, was it was a very isolating experience. And then from that, you have created this universe of connection with the invisible string. It's pretty interesting. That's I know. It's pretty, it's, 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 you know, they always say that we write or teach that which we most Mm. need to learn ourselves. And I struggle with, with loneliness on the planet. You know, I, I, you know, it's one of my core issues is feeling alone sometimes. And it's just, I, people always say to me, you got to read your book. You need to read your book again, because the, the last, the last words in the invisible string are no one is ever alone. Um, and it's such an important, it's such an important concept for me as an adult too. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's it's out of pain and out of adversity comes some beautiful things. And Patrice, I can't let this slide by. Please share a little bit about the invisible leash because I have listeners ask me all the time how they can grieve the loss of their pet with their children. Yeah, so ironically, uh, metaphorically, you know, when I it was very, very potent because as I was writing the end of the book, my own beloved wiener dog, Coco, died, um, you know, passed away. And I remember literally reading the pages of my own book and sobbing and saying, this is a really good book. You know, this book is really, you know, helping me feel the connection with Coco. And the publisher, um, Little Brown, was kind enough to let me put a picture of Coco in the book and a dedication to her. Um, but I can tell you the book heals because it healed me. Um, you know, our animals, the, 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 the animals that we bring into our homes and share our lives with um, are members of our family, you know, in the deepest, deepest sense. And their love is so unconditional that when they pass away, it's, it's a gaping wound in our souls. And 
the invisible leash just is is a book that shows how we remain connected forever to those animals to those creatures that we have loved in the book Zachary or Zach for short um loses his doggy Jojo and is just broken hearted and it isn't until his best friend Emily um takes him on a walk through, you know, meandering walk through the neighborhood one night, uh, one, you know, late afternoon into the twilight and starts explaining to him not to be so sad because he has an invisible leash to Jojo that will connect him forever. And through a series of all sorts of questions that Zach asks about this invisible leash, because at first he thinks the whole thing is really bogus, you know, like, oh yeah, right. An invisible leash, you know, and but Emily is undaunted by his <laughs> pessimism and um, goes on to explain about this invisible leash. And by the end of the book, um, uh, Zach no, not only believes in the invisible leash, but has a moment with Jojo. You know, we actually have in the book spirit animals that are sort of following the kids as they meander through the neighborhood. And we show the invisible leash connecting them. And then the book ends with, you know, Zach looking at the moon one night and literally seeing Jojo's eyes and hearing Jojo howl at the moon like they used to do when Jojo was alive. And and then the very end of the book is we see all the animals in the beyond, which we've now explained to the children, isn't necessarily just a place up in the sky, but it can be all around us too, this in the beyond. And we see all the animals um, looking out over all their people um, you know, and they're dancing and doing cartwheels. They're so filled with joy that the children and the people of the world are beginning to realize that they're forever connected to their animals that they've loved. So it's, you know, and it says, I don't remember the exact words, but, you know, um, as the children of the world were fast asleep in their cozy, comfy beds, you know, the moon lit up um, the millions and billions of invisible leashes connecting connecting them all to their animals. So, it's it's you know it's a really really sweet book and I I hope it comes out December third it comes it's released the same day as the Invisible String Workbook and I hope that it becomes you know a big book in the children's you know pet um, grieving if there is such a I don't know if there is a, a a genre of animal grieving books for children but if there is I hope it becomes a quintessential book because I it's what I believe. You know, that we are connected to our animals forever, just the same way we're connected to our beloved humans in the beyond. You got me. I'm crying. <laughs> um, well, also because our listeners will remember from years ago when our dog Riggs died and I had to tell our daughter Sabrina. And um, it's amazing. I, I can't, I'm still surprised at least once a week by how <sighs> that just the profoundness of that loss and how that still hits her. It's probably, you know, whenever she meets someone still, it's probably in the top five facts about her that she has a dog named Riggs and he died. And so, I mean, it's written. She'll love the invisible. She will. She'll love the invisible. I think there's going to be a lot of tears. (laughs) She will love it. And I Mm -hmm. think it'll be very comforting for her. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Oh, my pleasure. Listeners, you can find The Invisible String wherever books are sold. 
And you can also keep a lookout for the Invisible String Workbook and the Invisible Leash. All three of these books are being released December 3rd, 2019 by Little Brown Books for Young Readers. And then The Invisible Web will be coming out April 14th, 2020. There's also an Invisible String Facebook group you can join. And you can check out her website at patricekarst.com. I'll have the link in our show notes at atomicmoms.com. Okay, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. Please share this episode with your loved ones who you feel connected to or want to reconnect with. And until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. Thank you.